1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. Let me read through this portion, and then we'll get to a few of the points here. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated, we are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we, ask, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. We saw last week that Paul describes Apollos and himself as servants of Christ and stewards of the gospel message. And Paul uses his own example to talk about being faithful, judging rightly at the right time, living in light of God's final judgment, and about having a clear conscience. And as for the passage we just read, we will come back to verses 6 and 7, but in verses 8 through 13, Paul is being sarcastic. He's being sarcastic as he confronts the Corinthian believers about their pride and their boasting. You're acting like you have it all, he says to them. You think you're rich and powerful. You think you're wise and we apostles are fools. You think too highly of yourselves and look down on us. So he's making these very pointed statements at them. He's describing or contrasting what they are doing, how in fact they are living, and how the Corinthian believers are behaving. But remember, Paul's emphasis is on knowing Christ and him crucified, on belonging to and being in Christ and Christ, him belonging to us and being in us. He's trying to get the Corinthian believers to realize that no matter what they think they have achieved, materially or spiritually, if they don't have Christ, if they don't know and live out the gospel message, if they don't allow the mind of Christ and the life of Christ to manifest in their lives in humility and service, they're missing those things that are of eternal value. If they don't have Christ, they don't really have anything. In fact, they're building. They're doing all sorts of stuff. They're getting involved in all sorts of activities. They are building with wood, hay, and straw that will be burned up in the final judgment. So what should they do? How should they live? So let's read verses 6 and 7 again. 
Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things. What things? The ways in which to live, what he's pointing to in terms of being a servant of Christ, steward, and so on. And he's applied it to himself and to Apollos. And he's saying, I'm a, we're applying these things for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. Where? How? If you don't go beyond what is written, then you will be kept from being puffed up and, being, and saying, oh, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos. You know, preferential sort of uh, treatment and, and aligning in ways that are not godly, not biblical. You've gone beyond what the Bible is telling you. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You got something from God. You didn't come up with this yourself, and you didn't get it in some other source. Don't boast about it in any other way, as if you are something. Right? So, but when Paul says, do not go beyond what is written, he is using, he, he makes that statement using the same style and phrasing as when he quotes from the Old Testament. When, in the previous chapters and in subsequent past chapters, he refers to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Job, Psalms. So he's clearly talking about, he's clearly referring to not going beyond what is written in the Old Testament. Right? He's... he's quoting these scriptures. He's speaking about that. And so when he says, don't go beyond what is written, he's clearly speaking about what is in the Old Testament. But in this instance, he's not directly quoting from the Old Testament. That phrase, do not go beyond what is written, is not direct quote from Isaiah or Jeremiah or Psalms or, or Genesis or anything else. Right. So the best understanding of this phrase, as Paul is using it, and the words that he uses, the specific Greek and everything else that he's using, the best understanding of that phrase is that he is referring to what he had previously written to them and what he and other apostles and Bible authors were writing, were communicating, were saying, which they the church of the time, and we have collectively received as the word of God. So he is referring not just to the Old Testament, but to what we would also refer to as the New Testament. He's referring to all of that to say, don't go beyond what is written. And most importantly, he is indirectly reminding us of what John chapter 1 says, the very beginning of John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling with us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Paul is reminding us that when we don't go beyond what is written in the word of God, we don't go beyond Jesus. The word of God is Jesus himself. Jesus personifies the word of God. And so he says, don't go beyond the word of God. Don't go beyond Jesus. Christ and only him crucified. Christ and the cross. Don't start coming up with all sorts of 
you know, theories and thoughts and all sorts of philosophies and everything else. It's a very simple message. Christ and him crucified. That's what I'm preaching. Don't go beyond that. That's what he's getting to, right? This morning, though, I want to focus on three points related to not going beyond what is written. And so the first point is this. We evaluate everything according to the word of God. We evaluate everything in our lives and everything that pertains to life and godliness according to the word of God. So when we were studying the book of Acts, we saw in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, that the believers in Berea, the Berean believers, received the message with great eagerness, the message from Paul, as he's communicating, and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So they're eager to listen to Paul. They are engaged in the conversation. They're not sitting there and saying, oh, yeah. you know. They are eager to listen. They are, they are you know, excited about what they're hearing. They're eager to learn. But they were diligent to examine, to discern, to evaluate whether what they were receiving was according to the word of God. So they were always examining things and evaluating things according to the word of God. So the word of God must be the standard. It has to be the measuring stick. It has to be the plumb line. It has to be the way by which you can say, yep, it's straight, it's not straight. Yep, it's right, it's wrong. Yep, it's good, it's bad. The word of God is the measure, not our own thinking. Not, yeah, yeah, I think it's right. You know, it agrees with my, my way of looking at things. No, what does the word say about this? And in Christ, there is no lie. In Christ, the word of God personified, there is no lie, there is only truth. But in human beings, in each one of us, even the most godly, well-intentioned, accountable, faithful preachers and teachers of the word of God, there is a potential for error. There is a potential for misunderstanding. There is a potential for miscommunication, which means we must have the word of God in us to know that as we are receiving something that is being spoken to us, what does the word of God say about this? So that we are evaluating according to the word of God that covers or addresses everything and anything. Anything and everything. It's addressed in the word of God. And so we are receiving the word of God and saying, let the word of God be in me so that that becomes the measuring stick. That becomes the means by which I can evaluate what I'm hearing now. Right? Uh, even as I said about having the mind of Christ a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, our minds, when we have the mind of Christ, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. When we have the mind of Christ, our minds don't automatically just become like the mind of Christ. And our minds don't get replaced with the mind of Christ. We struggle with our thoughts and we have to you know, bring our thoughts captive to the Lord and we have to yield to him to transform us by the renewing of our minds. And we do all of that. In a very similar way, our lives are not transformed and renewed by the word of God just because we hear a lot of the word of God, or just because we believe most of what we hear, or even if we apply some of what we believe. Our lives are not transformed just because of that. 
And mind you, I'm being very deliberate when I say that. We hear a lot. We believe most. We apply some. We filter it down, right? And here's what I mean by that. In spite of our desire, in spite of our desire to know and hide God's word in our hearts so that we don't sin against him, in spite of our diligence to search all the scriptures and to see if what we're hearing is true, and in spite of our dependence on the Holy Spirit as our teacher and our guide, we may still not understand the word of God correctly because, and this is important to realize, we receive the word of God through the filters of our past experience our present preferences, and our fears for the future, right? We receive the word of God through the filters of our past experience, of our present preferences, and our fears for the future. I think this is what the word of God means, but if that's the case, oh, what will happen there? and we fear for something in the future and are not willing to receive the word of God in that way. God tells us to do something. God tells us this is going to happen. We say, no, no, no. Or we say, well, that's not, I don't want to do that. It, I don't, it's not my preference. And right now, I have no time for this. Or we've been so hurt in the past, and the person who hurt us used a particular scripture to hurt us. They abused the word of God and used it to their advantage. And now we hear that scripture and we say, oh, no. I don't want to, you know I, I, you know, I reject that. So there's a verse that speaks about mutual submission or even wives or husbands or something. And we say, oh, no, not that. Why? Because of our past experience. We had something there that allows or that is not allowing us to now receive this word from the Lord. So we filter. We receive the word of God through all these filters. Right? And these are internal. These are the things that are coming from within us. In addition to what's going on inside us, these internal factors, we may not comprehend the word of God correctly because of external factors. And the Bible, and we went through this in Romans 2, the Bible is replete with the warnings of false teaching, of, of false teachers that seem very convincing. So it's not that we are unwilling to receive. It's not even that we're colored by some past experience. We just got bad teaching. We just got false teaching, right? Or there may be downright, outright deception and the lies of the devil. It is a lie that is coming to you. And you haven't discerned that, so you think it's the truth, that you think it's of God, but it actually isn't. Or we can have or we can be prone to be influenced by somebody. And we say, oh, that, that person. Oh, look, look at what they're doing. Oh, and they have a big crowd, or they've written 25 books, or they've done this thing. And it must be that they're saying the right thing. And it's not so much that we are being unwilling to receive the word of God. We have just not paid attention and been led by the Holy Spirit to discern the word of God. So internal factors and external factors keep us from understanding the word of God thoroughly. And then, let me make this point. The word of God is not simply for our information. It is for our application. It is for our transformation. So, even if you've heard the word of God, the right, the truth of the word of God, 
if it is not transforming, if it is not renewing you, if it is not having its intended work in you, it may be because you have determined, well, I, it's just not convenient. It's not a good time. It's not a good season of life for me. This is too difficult. Or it's too humbling. Oh, I have to go and ask forgiveness of this person. The word that is convicting me. You know, I have to go and say I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. Or I have to admit that I was wrong. I don't want to do that. Especially with my spouse. I don't want to go tell them. You know? And so the word comes, and you know it's the word of God, but you don't want to do you just don't want to apply it. Or it could be that the word that is coming requires some self-sacrifice, some self-denial, something where you would say no to self, where it would cost you something to serve someone else, to go somewhere, to do something. And you say, ah, I know God is saying to do this, but ah, I just don't want to do this. And so we reject the word of God in all these ways. If we don't believe that the word of God is living and active, that it is able to divide the thoughts and intents of our hearts and actually reveal our hearts to us, if we don't believe that the word of God is living water that both nourishes us, you have to drink water to live, and it cleanses us, it washes away the sin and the filth of the world, if we don't believe that the word of God is as milk and bread and meat to us, if we don't believe that the word of God brings us to Christ and the cross so that we may be regenerated and saved, if we don't believe that the word of God sustains us in this life until we are united with Christ for all eternity, and if we don't believe that Jesus is the word of God so that we can do nothing less than live and move and have our being in him, we will not cherish the word of God. It's just words on a page. It's just, you know, somebody putting together something that sounds pretty good. Oh, that was a good sermon. Oh, okay, great. But it's not going to be effective in your life. There is no cherishing of the word of God to say, oh, I, I desire this word. It is sweeter to me than honey. It is something that I cannot do without. I need this word of God. I will cherish the word of God. But when we value, when we cherish the word of God, when we value the word of God and evaluate everything in our life according to the word of God, then we find life. We find abundant life. That's the promise of God. So the second point about not going beyond what is written, we remain humble when we don't go beyond the word of God. When we don't go beyond the word of God, we remain humble. Why? Because you're not relying on your own wisdom. And it's not something that you came up with, that no one else has. Right? We typically boast about something that nobody else has, or a deal that we found that nobody else got, or something else that we can say, oh, look at this, I got this, I did this. But almost every reference Paul makes about the word of God is to state how in the word of God we find the wisdom of God and that that wisdom is available for every child of God who has access to the same source 
and the same measure of wisdom and the same power and the same blessing that comes from the word of God, that comes from knowing the word of God. We don't have some secret knowledge or wisdom that no one else has. Christianity is the great equalizer. There is no hierarchy. It's not the master and the slave and the, the PhD and the non-PhD and the, you know, the one who's done all this and the one who... Christianity is the great equalizer. It brings us together, no longer separated in those ways, no longer differentiated by the roles of male and female. And, you know, it, no, he says, no, you're all equal in the cross. You've come together in this way. And so the word of God gives us access to the same set of wisdom, the same set of power, the same things that would bring us together and unite us in Christ. So we are unique beings. We are special and specially loved by the Lord. We have individual identity, worth, and value, but we have nothing to boast of in and of ourselves. We don't say, I've got something the other person doesn't. We say we all equally have the same thing, the Lord Jesus, the Word, the power, the Holy Spirit. Oh, what a great joy. And so we don't boast. When we don't go beyond the Word, we don't boast. We are puffed up. We see ourselves in the, in the right way and we are humble about who we are and where we are. Another way that we go beyond the word of God and become boastful is when we create rules and traditions that no one else has. So we set up our own sort of ways of doing things and then we become proud and boastful of how we're better than everyone else because we observe those rules and traditions. Look at us. We're holier than those people. And we start to boast about that. The Jews in general, and the Pharisees in particular, they did just that. They boasted how they were better than the sinners and the tax collectors. And then Jesus, when he confronts them, he refers to them as whitewashed tombs that looked clean on the outside, but were full of dead men's bones on the inside. He said of them in Mark 7.13, they had made the word of God of no effect through their traditions. So we can often create our own things and then boast about them. Again, don't go beyond the word. You see, the goal of our Christian life and our church is not to compare ourselves with others and to show that we are different and that we are better. Our desire is that our church, at every local church, and the church the body of Christ worldwide, the church universal, the church as a whole, that every church would be aligned with the word of God and would be committed to live according to the word of God. If you could go anywhere in the world, go to a church, and you would have the same sort of experience. They are emphasizing the same things. Wonderful. That is really what the body of Christ should be like. We shouldn't be known by our differences. We should be known by the fact that we're living according to the word of God. So, third point about not going beyond what is written. We have received everything we need through the word of God. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, this passage begins with the saying, His divine power has given us everything. But I would encourage you to read before and after this passage that I'm reading, and it makes it very clear that he's really speaking about the full provision of God, all the precious promises, all the ways in which God has communicated, all that God has done. 
and which is manifest to us as power, as the power of God, as the revelation of God. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, it says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Have you come to a point in your life where you're disquieted? You feel ineffective, unproductive? You feel like, ah, I don't know if I'm really making a difference. I encourage you, pursue the things of God and knowing the word of God. Pursue living according to the word of God. Because when you do, when you commit to that, when you see the word of God in full force in your life, it will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. unproductive. And don't go beyond the word. Don't try to run in your own strength. Don't say, okay, I, I think this is what the Lord wants me to do, but I can do better. I can do a little bit more. I can do these particular things. I'll go after this stuff. Don't go beyond. Look and see what the Lord wants you to do because when you are within what the Lord wants you to do, you'll be content. It may not be what the other person is doing. This is not a matter of comparison. This is a matter of saying, Lord, is my heart at rest? Is my spirit at peace? Is, am I content? Or am I agitated, disquieted, discomforted? Oh, I should be doing something. Is that what's going on? Or am I at rest in you? If I am in you and in your word and living by your word, not going beyond it, I will be at peace. Content. Which brings us to our point of application this morning. We respond and apply the word of God that we have heard by committing to hear and apply the word of God that you're hearing. That's the only way you can do things. There is no, you know, nothing, no other method. Though how do you grow in the word of God? How do you do this? You hear and you apply. You listen to it, you receive it, you go after it, and you say, let me do this, Lord. Help me. Give me the strength. And Jacob Gerber uh, commented about 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, that if we go beyond the word of God, because we're seeking something else, because we think we know better, because for whatever, whatever reason, if we go beyond the word of God, we slowly but surely begin to drift away from the word of God. It's not that you have all of the word of God and then you've done something more. You, if you think that you're doing something and you start to push beyond what the word of God is actually telling you, you actually start to drift away from the word of God. First, 
we remove ourselves from God's word. We read it less, we study it less, and we meditate on it less. The Bible has increasingly less impact on our minds, our hearts, and our imaginations. We have removed ourselves from the word of God. Second, we replace God's word. That is, when we stop filling ourselves with God's word, we always start filling ourselves with something else. Nature abhors a vacuum. You can't just take the word of God or the things of God or the ways of God out of your life and say, oh, I'm, you know, that's fine, everything is, you know. And by the way, major philosophies of the world do just that. They say to empty yourself of all of these things. The Bible says, fill yourself with all of these things. Right? It's the exact opposite. And so when we replace God's word, when we stop filling ourselves with God's word, we will always start filling ourselves with something else. There's no way to remain neutral. And over time, the wisdom of the world and the entertainment and the pursuits and all of those things that are fueled by our passions and desires, those things stake a greater claim in our lives. More territory in our hearts is staked out, is claimed by those things than by the word of God, replaced. And third, we will eventually reject the word of God altogether. At first, this will just be a doctrine here or a doctrine there, some disagreement, some little thing. But then over time, because we prefer what the world teaches or what is our own preference, our flesh, we will reject the Bible altogether as flawed, bigoted, backward, something else, not relevant for us today. And we will reject the word of God. Bottom line, we commit to applying, commit to hearing, commit to receiving the word of God. That means that in every opportunity, we will say, Lord God, let the word of God get into me. Let the truth of the word of God get into me. And by the way, I'm not advocating here, I'm not telling you that you should now, tomorrow onwards, start a Bible reading plan. Right? If you are in a Bible reading plan, wonderful, do it. Go after it. But this is not about you must read through the whole Bible. That's not the statement I'm trying to make to you. I'm saying to you, get the truth of the word of God into you. That means that you may be reading one passage of scripture for a whole month, for six months, and just meditating on that, studying it, being affected by it, saying, oh, this is my life verse at this season of my life. I can see that this is what the Lord is doing and talking to me through it. Great, wonderful, go for it. If you have a Bible reading plan and you're reading four or five chapters of the Bible every day, don't let it become just a mechanical thing. I finished my Bible reading, check it off, you know, do that, right? Don't do that. Because then you will say, yes, yes, I read the Bible. I get the word of God into me. But it's not really getting into you. And so you want to do what will be necessary to truly let the word of God be seed that is not choked out, that is not snatched away, that is not in, in the rock so that there has no root, but it is in good ground and it is growing. It is receiving the nourishment from the Lord and it's bearing fruit. That's what you want to pray for. And so I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you as we close this morning, that you would seek out and engage in every opportunity 
that the local church affords and every other opportunity that you can do your part, that you can be engaged in, that you can participate in so that you will receive and apply the word of God and you will share and apply or cause the application of the word of God. Like I said, the local church is us speaking into each other's lives, being there, praying together, engaged in such a way that we would say, the word of God is supreme. I want to encourage you with the word of God. I want you to encourage me with the word of God. Let's go after every opportunity to do that. Not just on a Sunday morning, but in every possible time. Because the word of God says, as often as you meet together, as often as you do this, whenever you would meet, wherever you would meet, whatever you would do, let the name of the Lord be glorified. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that your word is so wonderful to us, Lord, and we can come to it and receive from it and it informs us and helps us and builds us up. And Lord, we thank you that it is sufficient for life and godliness. But I also thank you, Lord, that you give us this admonition, admonition meant that we should not go beyond what is written. Let us not come up with our own imagining or let us not be influenced in any way let us not be deceived. Help us to discern. Let us not go beyond what your word says, but help us, Lord, to apply what your word says. Help us to pay attention to how you are leading and guiding and directing our steps. And help us to say, Lord God, I give you everything. I give you my life. I want my life to be lived according to the word of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you, the Word, who became flesh, will continue to be in us so that the Word is living and active in us. We pray this. We ask this for our church. We pray that we will be a church that loves your Word, lives by your Word, Lord, shares your Word, does everything that we can to glorify you through it. We ask all this together in Jesus' name. Amen.